number 45. Hello, frenzies. So good to see you. <laughs> okay, no more rock ballads out of me. That wasn't a rock ballad. I don't know what that was. Anyway, episode 45, we're, we're going to dish on work-life balance and just maybe some back-to-school tips for you. Like when you go back to school, I always feel so refreshed during the summer. And I'm just like, gosh, this is the life, right? <laughs> Doing what I want, waking up whenever. <laughs> uh, and granted, I don't have any kids living at home. So I know that if you're a teacher mom out there, you're always doing work-life balance stuff. Um, but I just thought it would be good to kind of dish on, you know, certain ideas for going back to school. So you have a clear mind, a clear heart, and you're not feeling like you have to do the balancing act anymore. Let's get on with it. Are you feeling a little burnt out and exhausted this school year? Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher podcast is here to get you through the hard weeks. We will be tackling tough topics while addressing self-care tips and tricks to help you live your best life. I'm your host, Jessica Martin, a coffee-drinking teacher and tech coach working on my own health journey as I pursue happiness in my teacher life. I am so happy you're here with me today, and I can't wait to share all the things with you. Let's get on with the show. Frenzies, you came back. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, today is the time of the day. <laughs> time of the day. Ooh, you can tell it's summer right now. Anyways, today is the time of the show where I like to read one of my written uh, reviews on iTunes. And I always like to thank you for hanging out with me. So this is like a little, it's like a pre-episode episode. Pre-pre-episode episode? <laughs> okay, now I'm just being ridiculous. Let's read this review from MKF03. Zero eight. Uh, Jess has a super entertaining personality that comes through each of her podcasts. I really appreciate the real talk about teaching, and I often caught myself laughing out loud while listening. She speaks on a wide variety of topics, both professional and personal. Thanks for continuing to share. Thank you so much, MKF0308. I'm sorry, your, your name doesn't really roll off the tongue. <laughs> on iTunes. But anyway, if you're listening today, please send me a message on Instagram. I would love to send you some happy mail. I'm making a list of people who have left me written reviews and that I've read them online, on air, online, whatever. It's the same thing. And I like to send them a little bit of happy mail. So thank you so much. Anywho, if you ever get the chance to leave me a written review, that's kind of the nicest thing you can do because it really is like going back and reading a yearbook or someone's note in a in your wedding guest book or I'm trying to think of what else. Well, I know in my scrapbook, I have a note from my grandma and one day I did the dishes and I, I, I was visiting her during the summer. I always, always went to her house for two or three weeks during the summer, every single summer since I was like two years old, right? And I think I was like 12. And I decided that I was going to do all the dishes and clean up the kitchen for her. And it's sort of the time like she had osteoporosis and her hands were really crippled. And this was the time that I was beginning to become aware that she was in a lot of pain all the time. And really before, you know, 11 or 12, I just didn't really get it, right? <laughs> 
I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's the time you just become aware of other people's pain. You know, I think your empathy is really growing when you're in the 12, 13, 14 years, but you don't realize it. <laughs> Maybe for people you love anyway. Um, so I decided to do the dishes because I felt like there was a few dishes in the sink and I was just like thinking about my grandma's hands. And, and then I, then I made her like this breakfast bar and I got her coffee ready, like, and all before she woke up and she always woke up around like 6am. So I was up at 5am doing all this and she just wrote me like the most beautiful letter because I had done the dishes, you know, and it's, it's kind of crazy that it's like one of the only, you know, pieces of written communication I have for my grandma still in my scrapbook today this letter about like what a thoughtful sweet person I am for doing those dishes and I mean really I look at it and it's you know it's um the front and back of a you know kind of a larger post-it note but um it just it just means the world to me and I'm not I'm gonna treasure that note forever and that's kind of how these notes are about my podcast because you know, it's just, it's, it's just really heartwarming. And I go back and I read the reviews all the time. So anyways, well, let's get on with the show, shall we? I've had enough of my blathering. I'm ready for some more blathering. Frenzies, you are back for the real episode. No more podcast review stuff. No more jingles. <laughs> We're here to get busy with episode 45 of Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher. I am your host, Jessica Martin. I go by the Whimsical Teacher Online, and I'm so thrilled that we're going to talk work-life balance because it's usually the number one topic that comes up when I'm talking with my Instagram audience. They're always, when I say, what's the one thing stressing you out right now? It's either a bad administrator or work-life balance. Those are the two things that come up the most. <laughs> it would be like a, and it's a huge percentage of people are worried about work-life balance. So anyway, I thought I would piggyback off my last episode. Now, the last episode, if you didn't catch it, I talked about reading this book called The One Thing with Gary Keller. And in the book, um, the first part of the book anyway, talks about really finding your one thing. You know, it's better to focus all your energy on this one big thing that you want in life instead of like 20 little things, right? Like it just makes sense, you know, to snowball your energy and efforts towards achieving this one thing that will make you the most happy. And I was thinking, what if we sort of flipped that script a little bit and did that in our classrooms and what you know really what is the one thing we want students to leave with like what when they leave our rooms and they go out into the next room <laughs> or the world I don't know what grade you teach uh what do we want them to leave like what is that one lesson or that one big idea that we just want them to take away from our teaching and spending all of that time with us. And then I was thinking it would be cool to put that one thing that you want kids to leave your room with up on your wall. Make it a focus point. Make it a poster. Make it something that you're referring to so that there's no way they can leave your room and not know that that was your one thing. Sometimes we have to be very explicit with our students and we assume that they're going to take away these, these lifelong lessons from us, right? I'm looking at my Keeping the Wonder a workshop bookmark, and there's like this wise old owl sitting on top of these books. I mean, we assume we all see ourselves as that owl, right? <laughs> all the all the kids, all the kids are just gonna walk away from us, just knowing exactly what we want them to learn. But we know deep down that's that's a bunch of hokey. 
hokey is hokey even a thing anywho that was last episode is just kind of like how can we make it more clear what we want them to leave with so we can be certain that that's indeed the lessons that, that, they, that they got from us <clears throat> okay you could tell this is unscripted because i did not type out the 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 that <laughs> anywho on today's episode, I was going to talk about this concept from the one thing, the book, again, about work-life balance. And they kind of go over the history of work-life balance and how, you know, in the early 1970s, over half of all women joined the workforce. And then it became a real hot topic because women were were getting getting more jobs and contributing more to the incomes of their household but now there's this new thing for every household of like oh my gosh how are we going to balance everything that happens at home with our children in our house our relationships with you know us both having full-time jobs and it just became this really hot topic in the 70s and they talk about that in the book a little bit and the thing I like about the book and I've heard this analogy a million times and I'm wondering did everyone get it from this book (laughs) or did the book steal it from someone else I don't know but the analogy in the book is that we're not balancing anything it's impossible to balance two things that you do at separate times right you cannot balance your work life and your home life because they're happening at different times Um, The only thing that you can really do is juggle the two. And they describe um, our personal life as being a lot of like like balls. (laughs) Yes, your personal life is a bunch of balls. But anyway, they describe, okay, here are some components to your personal life. You have personal relationships, your health, your integrity, and you have your there was a fourth ball did i just forget the fourth ball (laughs) so you have your health your personal relationships like your family your friendships your integrity oh i think your finances that was a part of like your personal life and then and then the other ball in the mix is your job and it was basically saying like you know what happens if you drop each of these balls the only ball that is really rubber is your job it's the only ball that you can easily you know, bounce back from, but like if your health, if there's something wrong with your health, you know, that's a glass ball that can just destroy your life. Uh, something happens to your friendships and your personal relationships, your romantic relationships, your family life, something bad happens there that can destroy your life, right? Uh, something horrible happening uh, to your finances or, you know, the integrity ball, that's pretty interesting because it's, you know, in the day of social media, it's really easy to lose your good reputation. So all of these are, you know, they're kind of the unbreakable balls. Like you do not want cracks or to drop any of those things. But it's funny because we almost try to balance our jobs, um, which is a total rubber ball, right? Like you can lose your job and find a new one. You can't like lose your family and find a new one or, you know, lose your health and find a new body, right? (laughs) So like, it's funny though, that when we are looking at work-life balance, we're almost giving like 50% to work, right? We're like, okay, well, like 50% of my time and energy is going to work and maybe like 25% into my family and sleeping, (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's 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 really really weird that we put so much emphasis on the one ball that we can easily bounce back from and that i mean that really impacted my thinking about work right like i'm like wow and why aren't we spending more time nurturing and caring for the other balls why is the work ball so important to us i mean is it just our is it our role as a public servant as teachers or is it just something mentally that we can kind of shift a little bit? Because really when I'm looking at the other balls, I, you know, I have cracked some of the other balls and it's not good. It sends your whole life into a tailspin. And so anyway, that's kind of like the first thing that I got, you know, after, you know, sort of reading this book and sort of thinking about it. I'm like, I, I do love this ball analogy. And I know that a lot of other, you know, podcasters and bloggers and, you know, even people on TV have mentioned these balls. But I was thinking about how they relate to us as teachers and how we just, we we kind of have this unhealthy mindset that that job ball, our classroom is a glass ball. But it really isn't like you can let a lot of things go. And I'm not saying, you know, don't do a good job as a teacher or your job isn't very important. I mean, obviously, teachers make a huge difference to someone's learning and growth throughout a year. But there's so many little things that we think are important that are, you know, make that rubber ball like the size of a dodgeball, right? And we're thinking that they're just so important. And are they? Do they even? even compare to your health or your family or your friendships. It shouldn't. It should not. Okay, let's, let's move on. Okay, frenzies. So I went searching across the interwebs and um, I, I actually recorded this clip probably about 19 times now because I keep talking about the balls and then I start making inappropriate jokes. <laughs> I mean, I am a junior high school teacher, okay? I cannot make a whole episode about juggling balls and not have it turn out a little weird sounding, okay? <laughs> so anywho, I, I went looking around for a good article and every article I'm reading about work-life balance, it's all written for people who are not teachers. I can tell because they're talking about 40-hour work weeks or like putting in extra time at the office and maybe working a whole 50 hours. And I was like, oh boy, this does not apply to teachers. So after, I don't know, I probably read over a dozen articles and then I skimmed a whole bunch of blogs and I went through some of my old books and I found a cool article in a Forbes magazine, and it's actually from like 2014, so it's a little old, but everything in this list I thought perfectly applied to teachers, and they are some kind of hard topics, but there are some things that they might help you uh, have a better work-life balance, and they're just things that I, I felt like every single one of the things on the list really applied to to our our profession, which is rare to find something like that. And it doesn't mention teachers at all. But as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, yeah. So the first thing in the list, it says let go of your perfectionism. And I think that's a little easier said than done because a lot of teachers are perfectionists, but it's also because they have like some sort of anxiety disorder. And, you know, being a perfectionist, like it, it rolls in a, into a lot of different mental health issues. And so I think 
if you're finding that you're a perfectionist and you know if you are one, if you're listening right now, you know if you're a perfectionist, I really think like this first one, instead of just saying let go of it, because it's not something you can let go of, I would start, you know, going to some sort of counseling for it. Uh, find find a way to talk about it a little bit more because it's probably eating a lot more of your work life balance than you imagine, um, and it so it might not actually be your job that's eating up all your time. It might be your perfectionism, and I think that would be really interesting to go and it's perfectly acceptable. Take a mental health day and go and talk to a, a therapist about your perfectionism and how it impacts all the areas of your life. And I think that's a more healthy approach than just saying, oh, just get rid of it. Because you can't. If you're a perfectionist, you can't you can't stop. Okay. It's not something, it's not a light switch that you can just turn off. But it's something to think about. And it's something that I think a lot of people are, it's sort of something that society sees as being like we like we praise perfectionists, right? But really it's unhealthy. And I think a lot of it is usually attached to mental health in some way, because it's, it's not healthy to, you know, to not be able to step away from something until it's perfect. Or, you know, like, it's, just, it's a really weird and we see it, we see like, oh, perfectionist as being, you know, uh, maybe better than everyone else. Or, you know, we can always rely on them for things. But really, um, I think it's an area of life that we need to be a little more real about that it's not healthy and that maybe if you are a perfectionist listening out there, I encourage you to go to talk, talk to someone about it because I'm sure maybe it's tied to some other things. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of different levels of being a perfectionist. Like for me, for an example, like when I'm doing something for work, I can be a real perfectionist, but I'm not so much in my personal life. So it just kind of depends where you're, you know, where you're coming from. But I think if, if you're finding that you don't have any personal time of your own during the school year, that could be one reason why. And I think admitting to it and maybe seeking help for it could be an option for having a better school year. Okay. The second thing on the list was just to unplug. When you're you're having personal time with your friends and family, you don't need to be on your phone. Unplug that phone. Delete your social media apps. Get away from technology. You don't need to, and it says on here, it says you don't need to be texting people during your kid's soccer game. You don't need to send work emails while you're hanging out watching TV with your family. And I was just like, oh gosh. I mean, I have, I don't have a kid in soccer, but I've definitely been at different events and been text messaging, sending things on my phone. And so this one really resonated with me. And I think it just, it kind of works for all people. But I think since we as teachers are such huge multitaskers. I think that this one really, it just really made a lot of sense to me because we're multitasking so much that it just makes sense to do a lot of work on our phones. But I think when you're trying to nurture, especially relationship, that relationship ball, I think that you need to unplug more and you'll be happier. It's hard to do at first though. It's almost like an addiction that also we might need counseling for. <laughs> Basically, my whole spiel is going to be just go to a counselor. No. Okay. The next one 
is really talking about that health ball and just, you know, that every day you need to find time to exercise and meditate. And even if it's just, I know a lot of teachers, they do not have time to wake up in the morning before school and exercise. They do not have time to do it after school, or at least they feel like they don't have time, but they could be walking during lunch or something. So just think about like, how can you get outside um, I know it, depending where you live, it's not always possible, but like, how can you get yourself out for a brisk, you know, 25 to 30 minute walk each day? And meditating is just so powerful. And one of my first episodes of this podcast is about meditating. So if you're not so sure about it or don't know where to start, I recommend listening to that first. I think it was like one of my first five episodes. I talked about meditation and what it's done for me and different types that you could do for you. All right, the next one was pretty interesting. It says, limit your time-wasting activities and people. And I was like, ooh, this is such a zinger. It's such a zinger because we all have these uh, activities that I think waste a lot of time. And I don't think like Netflix or watching TV, I don't think that's a time-wasting activity because we all deserve leisure. But when I'm thinking of time wasters, I do think of social media a little bit, but I also think of like different apps that I download on my phone. That's just me personally. Like how many, how many hours of my life, how many days, how many weeks have I wasted to like um, that candy crush game? <laughs> it is ridiculous. It's embarrassing. <laughs> So uh, that's one thing I did is I deleted all time wasting apps on my phone. Um, and so, yeah, um, this one just says, you know, be aware of how much you're investing of your life into emails or internet surfing, because they both can send you into a time wasting spiral. Um, I know a lot of people are using like a new rule of only checking email for the first 15 minutes of the day and then moving on and they actually set a 15 minute timer. Uh, and I think, you know, we're all we're just kind of like, our culture right now is to waste a lot of time surfing the internet. And I don't think it's a horrible thing, but I think when you're trying to nurture other parts of your life, like especially your health and your family and your relationships, surfing the internet should not take precedence over those things, right? And I, if you're listening, I'm sure that you agree with that. Um, and then time-wasting people. Like we all have uh, co-workers and people in our personal life, maybe neighbors or, you know, we all have those people that are not key players in our life. They're not like, they're not serving important roles in our life, but they're sucking up a lot of time. And so it kind of talks about how to cut ties or cut time down with those people. You know, if you have them, you know, if you have a time sucker around, right? Okay, so this next one is a little easier said than done, <laughs> I will admit, but it talks about changing the structure of your life. So if there are some things in your life that are really stressing you out, you know, they are just habits and they're not things you actually have to do. They're habits that somehow you've been weaseled into. No, <laughs> 
but really like everything that we think we have to do every week there are things that we have placed upon ourselves and told ourselves oh these are so important so and this article it talks a little bit about um a woman who was like a senior executive and for 20 years she always cooked dinner for her family and then she just kind of hit a wall with that like just kind of getting tired of cooking for her family and of course there are a million other options besides her having to cook for her family every single night there's a lot of different options and a lot of those options are putting responsibility on other family members and really making them understand that this is a way for them to also grow and change in the family unit and I was thinking about like at school how a lot of teachers take on extra duties and tasks and they really don't have to they just feel like they should and I mean you got to read your contract you know like what do you have to do like what like seriously and so many like I don't know why in our teacher community we kind of wear this badge of honor that we've signed up to do xyz and abc and this and that and that you know and it's like why like you're you're taking time away from your personal health and well-being and your family like why is this a badge of honor to be doing a bunch of extra things that you don't have to do it is a really weird mentality and when I first started teaching, I just, I was kind of on that train where I was like, yeah, I'm going to volunteer for all the things and do everything and woo. And then, you know, then I'm finding myself working on the weekends, like working eight, nine hour weekends. And I'm seeing my relationship with my husband, like not as strong, not as good, arguing more, um, a lot more snappiness. I'm noticing more snappiness with my stepdaughter and my parents and I, and then I, I just knew, I knew that it, it was more of my extra duties and less of, you know, the other people, which I think we always, we think we're having problems with other people. We always want to blame them, right? <laughs> we always want to say, well, these people are changing or they're being extra grouchy or crabby. And really it's usually you, you're the one who like, if all of a sudden a lot of your relationships are changing, something's going on with you probably, right? It's not everybody else. And so I don't know, I've kind of, I mean, now I'm going into like my eighth year in education and I look at like my first couple years and I was just so thirsty to get in there and show that I could do this job and I could do a good job. But as some people have brought up, you know, you're, you're going to make the same amount of money as a teacher regardless. Some of those extra duties pay a little bit more, but I don't know if they're really worth it, what they do pay, you know, like I know like some of the contracts I've been offered, like, okay, so you're going to help do this for like four hours a week and and, you know, you're going to do this all school year and then you're going to get, you know what you're going to get? $150 bonus at the end of the year. It's like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> For like an extra 200 hours of work, you're going to give me $150? Huzzah! Oh, I'm going to go to Disneyland on that money. I mean... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like some of the, the, the duties that they're asking for at school are completely ridiculous. But I mean, I, I agree. Like my philosophy, I feel like everyone should help out with at least one thing, like do one thing that's a little extra and that kind of helps your school run better. But other than that, I mean, 
there are plenty of parents out there. And I know, like, depending on your community or your school, you might be thinking, oh, we don't have the parents, blah, 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 blah. But trust me, I worked in 60 different schools as a substitute, all different kinds of schools. And it doesn't matter, you know, the community that you're in or the work situation of the parents or their mental outlook. There's always somebody out there who wants to pitch in a little bit. So, And I know that's definitely, like I said, this whole thing is way easier said than done. But a lot of times when people are complaining about, well, I have have to do this and I have to do that. And if I don't, who's going to do it? That's kind of a martyrdom sort of mentality. And it's super unhealthy to think that like, oh, the world will stop spinning if you're not, you know, running around in circles, you know, like a, you know, and, and letting all of your personal relationships go to the wayside, right? Like, it's just like, people don't need you that much. <laughs> and like I said, this one is kind of a hard pill to swallow, but really there's always other people you can be putting responsibilities onto or get rid of those responsibilities, get rid of them. Like, why do, why do certain things even need to exist? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I'm trying not to be too specific to my own school and get myself in trouble, but I'm just saying that like, and that's what we do at my school a lot. A lot of times there there are more activities and sports than we have teachers available to help out with those things. So a lot of times they have to go to community members. They have to go to parents or other people in the community that do want to help out because there's always people that actually find those activities super enjoyable. And if you do, and it feels like you're not even working when you do them, then those are great. Like keep those in your life. But if you're feeling like exhausted and stressed out every time you have to do, you know, this one activity, find someone else to do it, you know, step down. Like I guarantee you, like a lot of times it's not in your contract that you have to be running like 10 different things at all times. Or just because you did something for a couple years and everyone's expecting you to do it again, it also doesn't mean you have to do it again. You know, like don't let other people's expectations put the cracks in those other balls in your life. It's not worth it. It's really not. Okay. And then the last, uh, the last tip on here for work-life balance, which I thought really, really, you know, would resonate with teachers, uh, start small and build from there. So just like, you know, when there's something like you, you're kind of feeling like you're working so much, like find one little way you can improve one of the other balls in your life and just start with that one thing. Like you, you can't revamp your whole life overnight. And I mean, for me, a lot of it was my diet and it was making me sick. I mean, I have prediabetes now and kidney problems. So like, but like I, I just changed one little thing at a time. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop eating, you know, all of the sugar. I'm not going to buy candy bars at the gas station anymore. And I'm not going to do this. I'm, like, I'm going to cut down on, on candy. And then the next thing was, you know, maybe I don't really need soda that much either. And, you know, you just cut out one little thing at a time and it, those little changes snowball. So for you, maybe it's like, you know what, this year, you know, I'm signed up to do these three activities, but I'm going to cut one of them out and just see what happens. So always start small when you want to change things or you want more balance in your life. Start small in one area. Now, if it's an area you want to improve, add something to that area. And if it's an area you feel is taking up too much time, take one tiny thing away from that area. Um, I remember one year, 
and this is going to sound horrible, and some people are going to be mad at me if they hear this. <laughs> but we did this weird, like, fish egg program at my school, and they gave us this fish tank to set up, and then they'd give us these baby fit, like, salmon eggs or something, or trout eggs, and we'd go and release them in this creek. And I had done it for, like, three years, and maintaining this fish tank, it was serious work. Like, setting the whole thing up was probably taking between 12 and 15 hours of extra time. Uh, keeping these baby fish alive, are is, it's nearly impossible. Every single year all of my fish would die <laughs> so like I, I was spending so much time and then it was all these extra classes we had to go to uh after school trainings and phone calls and webinars and there was just really no point when every single year everyone's fish always die and i do know i do have friends that do this in the classroom and they just love it they think it's the most fun thing in the world but for me it was taking it was like ruining my life and so finally one year i noticed another teacher said no to it and i had no idea we could say no to right and i said no and honestly it was like one of the best years of my teaching career not having to do that fish program i mean it was just it was a tradition but it was one that there was really no reason for keeping it because it didn't even align to our current science standards so i was like okay i'm not doing it either and i was so much happier so that's just one example sometimes there's a tradition and it's not really a thing that like you have to do it's just a thing everyone expects you to do and you can throw you can throw away those expectations. Throw them out. Goodbye. Okay, frenzies. Well, I hope you got some ideas from this episode. Um, the thing that really stuck with me is just that whole ball analogy. There I go with the balls again. But I mean, it just, it is interesting that we think that we can't let things go at work. Like, oh, if if anything happens to our job or work, oh no, but really it's the easiest one to bounce back from. And that's just something that I'm going to keep in mind as I go into this, this next school year. And then I'm also going to look at those, um, that list of just things that I could do a little differently to maybe improve the other balls in my life. <laughs> I just, I couldn't get away from the balls this episode. They're all over the place. Okay, frenzies until next time. So long. You've just finished listening to healthy teacher, happy, Je <laughs> happy Jessica. What? <laughs> oh no, I don't know how to stop. <laughs> <laughs>